Pastor Alex is here. He's amazing. I want to ask Michael, come on up here as well. Pastor Alex is a friend. We went to AGTS together, graduated in 2023, or I'm sorry, 2020. And uh, it was a blast getting to know him, his family. And I got to spend time with them last night. His wife, Angie, up here. Katie is somewhere. You'll see her later on. Mason that's up here. There's some other children. But before we jump in and let Pastor Alex take it away, Michael here, he's been our intern with us this summer. Have you been blessed, anybody, by Michael Bryant this summer? Yes, come on. And so this is a bummer that today is his last day of his internship. But there's some good news on the other side. Uh, Pastor Rachel is our worship, she's over worship here at Radiant Life Church. But Michael, he has agreed, even though he's going back to school, that he's going to stay and be a part of the Radiant Life team. Which means, yeah, come on, come on. Which means about nine of the next 22 gets us through December uh, weeks. He'll be with us. He'll be doing school, kind of hybrid, making it back and forth. And we're pumped by that. Uh, the worship team loves Michael. He pours into them, is bringing them up, training them up. And so we're just going to believe that's going to keep happening. So Rachel, keep leading. Uh, and Michael's going to be our director, really pushing. And uh, I'm, I'm pumped. Anybody else? We're pumped to have Michael. So thank you for jumping on board. And at least through Christmas, he's going to be a part of the team. And let's pray, maybe a little bit longer than that, church. We'll see what happens. But Alex, it is great. Thank you for being here. It's 11.53. So church, we're going to go a little long today. If you didn't guess, we're going to go a little long. So maybe 12.30 or so, wind it down. We're going to have a good time. God's going to move. I believe you all be blessed this morning. Thank you. Come on. Love you. Love you, man. Hey, man. Um, so thank you, Pastor Chris and Pastor Rachel. It's always good to be here at Radiant Life Church. What's up, people? Oh, come on, I'm a black preacher. I need a little bit more than that. What's up? So, hey, thank you, my lovely assistant, Katie. Thank you. So, yeah. So, um, I don't know if he, um, but just introducing myself. I'm Pastor Alex Bryant. I'm a U.S. Um, Assemblies of God, U.S. missionary chaplain for racial reconciliation. My wife and I, we are um, chaplains with the Assemblies of God. We'll be here for general counsel. Babe, I want the people to see how pretty you are so that they know that I married way above my pay grade. So, stand up so the people can see it. That's my wife, Angela. We've been married for, um, it'll be 28 years on August 5th, and so um, I'm excited about that. And we have five kids. Our oldest is Trey. He's not here. Michael is our number two. And then, um, I don't, did, you, did you say he's my son? Because, you know, he's, the good stuff he gets from his mom, but, you know, the good looks he gets from this brother. You know what I'm saying? So, and then we have Mason. He's our number three son. Mason, say hi to the people. And then um, we have a fourth son. His name is Joshua. He's at band camp this week. And then Katie, she just brought me my water. And so thank you, Katie. And so you'll be seeing those guys a little bit later on. But, and we are, um, we, we have Alex Bryant Ministries, and um, we exist to reconcile people unto God first, that's salvation, ourselves, secondly, that's like discipleship, and then each other. And we do it through written, spoken, and media content. And so, man, we've been doing that, um, Alex Bryant Ministries, since 2019. We, it started really in our hearts a little bit before that. I was on, on staff at Joyce Meyer Ministry. I ran the St. Louis Dream Center for her in St. Louis. And, you know, we had a lot of people come in there to St. Louis to our the, the church and the outreach for stuff. And um, every day we ministered to about 800 to 1,000 people and just helped them, you know, make, meet their needs and what they needed. And from that, while I was doing that, I was um, there during Ferguson. The Dream Center, our church, was about five miles from Ferguson. And you guys remember that, arguably up until probably George Floyd was the largest race situation in our um, generation. And we were here before a few years back and we talked a little bit about this. I'm just mentioning it. But um, from that, you know, we're just not down with that. And, you know, you can tell my wife is a beautiful white lady and I am a big, bald, 
beautiful brother man, you know, and stuff. And so we see the world differently. And we talk about that. We say that race may describe us, but it doesn't have to define us. Uh, I am a Christian. I'm a Christian man. I'm a Christian husband and father. Those are things that define me, and I happen to be black. And so um, it describes me. And so, um, but anyway, we did a video a few years ago. Fast forward from Ferguson. We were on staff at a church in Kansas City. Police officers were shot in Dallas. We don't like that. We're pro-police. I got a lot of police in my family. And so we made a video, went viral, 50 million views on Facebook. And from that, we wrote a book. It's called Let's Start Again. It's a biracial couple's view on race, racial ignorance, and racial insensitivity. We say that not everything is racist, you know, um, and we need to realize that. Some things are racist. If it is, let's come together and challenge it. If things are racially ignorant, let's um, educate people. And if, if things are racially insensitive, if there's times of those, let's have a conversation. And so we have this book, and uh, man, we'd love to um, let you have this just a resource and a tool for our ministry. It's what we do. Um, we're selling these. I'd love to give them to everyone, but this supports our ministry. They're $15. I will give this one away. Um, who'd like a book? Oh, there you go. Don't, don't waste any time, girl. You know, can, you, you got a tip. They said stand, sit up close. Okay, there you go. That's all right. So there you go. So, um, and again, that's $15. We have shirts that go along with it. Love to have you. Um, grab one of those and, um, and check us out with Alex Bryant Ministries. We do a podcast. We talk a lot about racial reconciliation, but other things as well. And so as we've been traveling around doing that, I've noticed that there is an attack on men in our society and our culture. As I'm out speaking and talking, um, a lot of times I want to speak up on some of these issues that are happening in our society, whether they're race, whether they're cultural, um, things like abortion. I'll stand up and say it. My mom and dad were 15 and 16 when they had me, and I'm thankful they didn't abort me. And I'm, I'm pro-life. I don't like to say I'm pro-life. I'm, I'm against killing babies. I mean, that's just the bottom line of it. And so, but we see in our community how they try to silence our voice. They don't want us to talk. And so um, I reject that. I am a, a man of God. I like to see, teach what the word says. And so um, I want to have a voice. And so I wrote this book called Man Up. It's a guide to godly masculinity. And we're going to be talking about that today. Um, just a little sample. It's going to be a little tease, a little tease. Because, hey, when you get a black preacher here, you expect to go for about an hour. Pastor Chris said, I got 20 minutes. So you're going to get a little sample, you know, here. <laughs> but um, it's a guide to godly masculinity. We're going to be talking about this. But um, this is what, you know, we're, we're told as men in our society and our culture today that our masculinity is toxic. I reject that. Um, we can be strong, godly, warrior-spirited men who know how to lead and um, that's what we're going to talk about. I want to encourage, inspire, and motivate you to be the man that God's called you to be. So I'm going to give this one away, too. Who, uh, I'm going to give it away to a guy. I saw the hand. Oh, come on. I see a dude running. You should have came up and ran, too. That's what's up right there. There you go, my man. So, again, yeah, congratulations. And, hey, listen, I would love to give you one. Again, we can't. I, you know, they support our ministry. I see a lot of students here. Um, man, it, I'm going to do this, Ann. Sorry. I'm gonna give, uh, I like to give the students a discount. So if you're a student here. High school or college, we'll give you a book for $10. The rest of you jokers, 15 You know what I'm saying? So, but if you're a student, I'd love to have you get a book. And if you want to buy a book for a student, just grab one of them and say, I'll get you a book. But, again, I'd love to give them away, but that supports our ministry. We're missionary chaplains. We raise support. If you want to be one of our monthly partners that supports us every month, I'll give you a book for free. Just let us know. We'll be at our booth when we're done there. And we got shirts, man up. That's what they are. These are hot off the press. And um, this is what we're going to be talking about today, man up. I'm taking this jacket off, babe. Angie tries to tell me, like, this is the deal. I'm at a, I'm at a little um, old man crisis, okay? We got these young kids, and they tell us stuff like, you got to be drippy. You got to drip. Young people know what drip is, right? How many of you young people are dripping today? No, no dripping out there? They say drip or drown. Old people are going, what is that? 
It'd be like you're groovy, you know what I mean? So my wife's trying to tell me I gotta like I gotta start dripping to dress like the young kids. I'm not young and I'm too hot. I'm taking it off, baby. All right, so don't be mad. And so a brother can't be sweating up in here all day. I'm gonna sweat anyway, so don't wanna sweat when I'm teaching and stuff. So but these are our shirts and I'm gonna leave that right there. So let's dive into this. I'm excited about this. I just wanna share a little bit about um, this message, Man Up. And I'm gonna tell you, this message, the book, I wrote it for men. Ladies ask, do you guys, are, is, it, is it for ladies or am I gonna enjoy it? I think that you will. I like to write, I tell some stories about family um, and, you know, and about um, friends. I wanna make you laugh, I wanna make you cry, I wanna encourage you and motivate you. But I am trying to inspire and motivate men. And so, um, but this message today, our theological scripture passage that we get is for all of us. We're going to be in 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 1 through 3. That's the verse that we're going to read out of here. But um, let me just set this up um, for a second here. And, and this, this passage is for all of us. This is about how we live a prosperous life. Anybody want to prosper? Anybody want to have a good life? Raise your hand if you want to prosper. Yeah. Man, look at your name and say, you want to prosper, don't you? Yeah, man. Say, and give them a look. Like, get, take, look at your other name. You want to prosper, don't you? Yeah, I want to prosper. Anybody? Look, it's all, now listen, I see a lot of white people out here. You guys don't like to give some feedback when we talk. White people are just like, keep it right here. You got to give me some, you gotta, give me some feedback, white folk. I love you guys. You want to prosper, don't you? You know, I want to prosper. Give me an amen, a word, or what's up. I don't get, you know, give me something, you know what I mean? A brother's got to have some feedback, you know what I'm saying? But so when you're looking at how we prosper, everybody wants to have a good life. Everyone wants to prosper, but are we willing to do what it takes to get to that point to where we do prosper? And what I say is, and when we look at this passage, 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 1 through 3, I say there's four things that we need to do in order to prosper. And that's what manning up is all about. So let's dive into this. Let's read this and let's see what it has to say. It says this, and this is from King David. He is um, known as, as a man after God's own heart. King David, you know, you guys know him. He's writing to his son Solomon. And, um, and, and, and I apologize, I'm going to have to sit down. A couple months ago I had knee surgery. And it's, when you get old, you get the back problems. I'm stiff and everything. But you guys can still see me, can't you? We still good? You guys still see the big, bald, beautiful brother man? So David, he had this to say to his son before he was to die. He says this, when the time drew near for David to die, he gave a charge to Solomon, his son. I'm about to go the way of all the earth, he said, so be strong, act like a man, and observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in obedience to him and keep his decrees, his commands, <coughs> excuse me, his laws and regulations as written in the law of Moses. Do this so that you may prosper in wherever you go and whatever you do. Here's the deal. There's a lot of people in our culture that want to prosper, but we're not. We're not seeing that like we need to. We're seeing an absence of men in our country, in our society, an absence of men in the homes, an absence of strong, godly men that are willing to step up and be the leaders that God's called us to be. Research shows that 72% of the U.S. population believes that fatherlessness is our biggest problem in our nation today, a lack of men in the home. That's, that's research shows that whether you're Christian or not, People are saying a lack of fathers is the result of all the crime that's happening, drug abuse, suicide, gender dysphoria, all the things, all these things, people are saying we don't have dads in the home. As a matter of fact, across America, there are approximately 18.3 um, million children who live without a father in their home. That's about one in four kids. I understand that. I know what it's like to grow up without a real, my dad in the home. My mom and dad were 15 and 16 when they had me. They were young teenagers, dropped out of high school, 
My mom dropped out to have me. My dad dropped out because he thought he could take care of a kid. Didn't have a job, so he became a street pharmaceutical salesman. And um, you know where that led to. That's a drug dealer, just in case you didn't know. Led him to be in prison, and I'm 51. And um, man, over half my life, my real dad's been in prison six or seven times. And so I know what it's like to not have a dad in the home, somebody to look up to, to aspire to. And today we're working on our relationship, it's getting better. And um, he will say, he's, a couple years ago he contacted me and it's like, hey, I'm sorry. I was young, I didn't know. And I realized that because I didn't have a dad, like a lot of people do, if you have a dad and you, you're blessed and privileged to have your dad in the home, that's a blessing. There's a lot of kids that don't have that. My mom got married to my stepdad. He did the best he can, but he's a quiet man, wasn't a Christian most of my life. He wasn't until I was an adult. And so I had to really go to the Lord and watch other godly men to see the example of, of what a godly man should be like and what, how God wanted me to live when I started having our kids. And so when we started having kids 20 years ago, I made a list of 30 things. At the time, I think I was 32, and I made a list of 30 things that I'd learned in 30 years that I wanted to teach to my kids. And so that was about 20 years ago, 22 years ago when I did that. And 10 years ago, about 12 years ago, I decided, um, the Lord, I was speaking to the Lord, and he's like, hey, turn this into a book. There's other people. We were college and young adult pastors at the time, and I saw that there was other men, young men that I was mentoring, and I was like, what can I teach them? And, um, and I say this, I'm not perfect. I'm on the journey, but I am saying follow me as I follow Christ. And then the Lord gave me this passage of scripture, and I wanted to start learning from King David. And, and I look at this because I saw how the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. And if you study the words, you're like, how is this guy a man after God's own heart? This dude is jacked up, toe up from the flow up. You know what I mean? Like this dude, this dude committed a great sin with Bathsheba. You know the stories. And then <clears throat> he had her husband killed. You know, Uriah the Hittite tried to create this plan to have her have relations with him. That didn't work. So he sends him on, on the front line of the battle, basically gave him a letter, sent him back to the, um, to the battlefield with his own death notice that he delivered, Uriah the Hittite, to the, um, to the commander Joab. Basically said, hey, when Joab, or when, when Uriah gets close, have the men fall back, he's gonna be killed. And so he kills the husband, conspiracy there, government cover-up. This is crazy stuff. David, how in the world is he known as a man after God's own heart? Here's what I've learned, and this is the first little message if you're taking notes. It's not what you do that matters to God. The Bible tells us that all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. It's not what you do, but it's what you do after what you do that matters. Will you repent, turn from your sins? Will you acknowledge that you're a wrong, sinful person? That's what David did when the prophet Nathan, um, you know, confronted him. He's like, I'm a sinful man. And he repented and he turned from it, and he, and he spent his life trying to, to live the way God wanted him to live, getting into God's word. David said, I've hid my word in your heart. So there's so many things we can learn from King David. And at the point that he's about ready to die, he gives this charge to his son Solomon, who is now gonna become the king, and we're learning from him. Four things that we learn in, um, to, in order for us to have a prosperous life, and that's what manning up's all about. First thing is this, David said, be strong. Act like a man, is what one version says. There's many ways for us to be strong as men. You know, obviously the Bible says the glory of a young man is this strength. Now I'm looking around here, I see some young couples that are married and, you know, when you're young, remember, you know, you get married and, you know, you, you probably, you know, when your wife saw you, you might have met at camp or something, you got your little muscle shirt, your tank top on, you know, 
and your guns are just like, you know, you've been to the gym, Pastor, I see your guns over there. I saw you baptized. You, you still got some guns over there, you know what I'm saying? So, and, you know, when your, wife, when your lady comes up next to you and she's ready to grab your arm, and you, you know what you do, fellas. You just instinctively flex like you're strong. You give that little flex, and she looks, she's like, ooh, you know. It's strength, right? It's attractive. It's an attractive quality, you know. The, the glory of a young man is his strength. Get to be a little bit older. You don't got those muscles like you used to have. You know what I'm saying? And so you got to show some intellectual. Say, I, I ain't saying any names, but I just saw one wife touch her husband and say, that's okay, baby. I still love you. You know, <laughs> I ain't saying any names. But, but, you know, when you get a little bit older, you might not have the muscles that pop out like you used to. You know what I'm saying? And so you can't be wearing those little muscle shirts and stuff. But, you know, you've gotten stronger intellectually. You can stimulate your wife's mind. You can take her to dinner and start whispering sweet nothings to her and just telling her all those little sweet things and stuff. And she's like, Ooh, baby, I can't wait to get home, you know? You get, you get a little bit stronger socially. She likes to see you out in culture and society, and she's proud of the man that you are. And she's like, that's my husband. Yeah. You know, you inspire her intellectually, physically, mentally. And here's the biggest one, fellas, spiritually. I've learned from women there's nothing more attractive to a lady than to see her man on his knees praying to the Lord or getting into his word, teaching women like, ooh, I'll wait for that. Look at that lady starting to applaud. David said to his son Solomon, be strong. And I say to you, there's ways to be strong. Obviously physically, spiritually, emotionally, intellectually, physically, and, and definitely spiritually. Be strong. We need strong men in our society today. Our society is lacking strong men. We're being told that our masculinity is toxic. We don't think we can do it. We're afraid, we're, we're shy, whatever. First Timothy, or 2 Timothy 1.7 says, for God's not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I say to you men today, be strong. Don't quit. Strive for excellence. There's a way to live as a man. And, and we need men in our society who's willing to do that. You know, and, and, don't, and, and this is the deal. God's going to give you the strength and the power to do it. Colossians 3.23 says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. That's what being a man is. That's what manning up is about. That's what being strong is about. Second thing that David says, he says um, um, to to, um, Solomon, be observant. In verse 3, he says, observe what the Lord, your God, requires. Now, I love that he uses that word, your God, because he's saying you have a relationship with him. He's your God. He was my God, but now he's your God too. You need to observe what the Lord um, is talking to you about. That means that we need to know God's word. We have... Just biblical illiteracy in our culture and our society today is at an all-time high. I'm going to talk to you young people. Be young people that get into the word. Every single day, have a devotion with the Lord. Hide God's word in your heart. I'm saying that to young people, but you middle-aged and you older people as well. David said, early in the morning will I seek you. We have to have people that know God's word. There's so many different competing worldviews coming at us right now, secular humanism, consumerism, you know, scientific naturalism, all these worldviews are just trying to get us to compete um, with, with God and his word in a biblical, theological worldview. We have to know what God says. We have to read his word. I tell my kids, because um, uh, I'm the priest of my home, it's not my wife's job to make sure that my kids um, get into the word of God. It's my job. I'm the man of my home. I'm the priest of my home. And so in our family, if you're old enough to read, you're old enough to have a daily devotion. And when you, get to, when you turn the age to read, five, six years old, you come to the table in the morning and I teach you how to have a devotion. And then I inspect what I expect. So even when they're out of my house, Michael will tell you this, there's sometimes I'll randomly text him. I'm like, hey, feed my soul. That means tell me what you've been reading. 
How you doing? How are you in Jesus? I'll say something like that. Because it's my role to make sure that my kids learn to hear God's voice for themselves. Men, it's your job to be the leader and the priest of your home. So be a man of, dis of discipline, a man of sacrifice, who's willing to sacrifice his time to get into God's word. That's what being observant is all about. And then the third thing that he says is this, and again in verse 3 he says, walk in obedience to him. You can't just be a hearer of the word, but you have to be a doer of the word. It's not enough just to know what God's word says. There's so many people. I talk to people that love to get on Facebook, and they love to argue God's word, and you're like, are you living it? No, nah, man, I don't believe that stuff. It's not enough to be a hearer of the word. You've got to be a doer of God's word, and that's a part of being faithful. So the first thing, be strong. Second thing, be observant. Third thing is be faithful. That means that you walk in obedience to God's word. Philippians 4.13, it tells you that you can do it. Man, I know that it's tough. I know that life is hard. A lot comes at us. You got to pay the bills. You play with the kids. You got to be there for your wife. You know, you got to be strong. You got to be, all these things are coming at you. And you can do it. Don't let the world try to tell you that it's too hard for you, that you need to just duck out, that you need to only focus on yourself, bow out graciously. No, man. God says you can do all things through Christ who will give you the strength. Philippians 4.13, we have to learn to do things God's way. That's what being faithful is all about. I talk about marriage in this book. You know, um, you know there, when I was early on in, in, my, in our marriage, Angie has her, her uh, master's degree in counseling, and she would introduce us to marriage books and all these things. And I didn't know about marriage. I didn't see that great example, but I was smart enough to read them, and I'd read books like The Five Love Languages and, and Gary Chapman talking about how to love your wife. And, and it's just a reminder, Mason and I was reading um, one of the, our, this book today, or yesterday, on the way here, and it just reminded me about, you know, um, the, learning to love my wife and her love languages. And that just reminded me, I, she loves giving and receiving gifts. My wife will give a gift to anybody, at any time, for any reason. I mean, that's not an exaggeration. There's one time, she's over there laughing, but it is so true, baby, you know it's true. There's one time, there's this lady that worked for me. My wife gave a gift to her daughter's fiance who was in the military. We'd met that guy two or three times. She gives him a gift. I'm like, what are you spending our money on that for, baby? She's like, oh, I just saw it, thought he'd like it. I'm like, dang, girl. And so she's really good at giving gifts and stuff. And so, but I'm reminded, I have to love her in her language. You know, you talk about locking your family up. Man, if you're, if you're here this morning, you're watching online and you got your lady and you're not married, you're not doing it God's way, you're not going to be able to get his blessings if you're not walking in obedience to him. We talk about that. Obedience brings blessings. Lock your family up. And then I talk about being the dad. Daddying is what I call it in my chapter. You know, um, I never wanted to be a baby's daddy. You don't want to be a baby's daddy, keep it in your pants. It's that simple. I'm not trying to be vulgar, but I'm saying stuff to men that they need to hear. Young men, old men, we need that message going around. That's not a message you're going to hear from a lot of people. It's like, well, just be safe. That's not the way God intended for it to be. You got all these people having these babies, and then we're, you know, aborting them left and right because we're not doing things God's way. If you want to be, um, you know, if you want God's blessings, you have to be faithful and faithfully walk in obedience to him. And we have to teach that to our kids. And then the fourth thing, we have to learn to endure. It says this in verse 3, um, walk in obedience to him. That's being faithful. And then it says, um, and keep his decrees, his commands, his laws, and regulations. You have to keep on doing it. It's not enough just to do it once, but you have to keep on doing it. There's something about endurance. First thing, be strong. Second thing, be observant. Third thing, be faithful. Fourth thing is endure. I'm going to tell you, I started writing this book, and I told you this a while ago. 
It's about 20 years ago. I got serious with it about, you know, you know, eight or 10 years ago. I, thought I had a publisher that I thought was going to publish it for me when I was working for Joyce Meyer in the Dream Center. But it just didn't work out. You know, it just wasn't the right timing. And, you know, I, and I just kept writing on it and just kept writing. And, just, and I just knew one of these days it would happen. And um, to be honest with you, the Lord revealed to me, and now I see I, the proof had to be in the pudding. I had to learn to endure. If I'm going to tell people something, I got to be, I got to live it out. Now, I'm not perfect. I'm in the middle of the journey. I'm in the middle of the storm. Well, then you fast forward to, um, um, I think it was um, October of 2021. Our family moved into a new house, and I got this chair that I love. It's my favorite chair, um, one of those old platform chairs, you know. It's ugly. I got to put a slip cover over it so that my wife lets it come into our house. And, um, and the Lord told me, he's like, hey, Alex, if you set that chair at the foot of your bed, and if you come and spend time with me, I'll bless you. So I would do that. In the morning time, I'd wake up a little bit early. I'd go to my chair, and I'd sit there, and I'd pray. I'd read the word, and he'd start to bless me. And then sometimes late at night, I'd go to that chair, and man, he just started to download stuff to me. That's October 2021, and he started to, I started writing um, more stuff. He just started giving me visions of what to do for our family, for our ministry, for this book. And everything's going great. And then April 29th of um, 2022 happened. And that's the day that my wife and I, we pick our son Mason. He's on the keyboards over there. We picked him up from school. They had called, him at, called us at school and said, hey, he's a little bit pale, a little bit slow. Something's going on. He's coughing. Come and get him. So we go and get him, and I, I got a lot to do that night. I got a conference I got to go to, and kids got to go different places. But, but Ange had the wherewithal to realize, she's like, I might just take him to urgent care. You know, moms just know some things, don't they? So she does, and she takes him to urgent care. And, you know, it's our small town. They can't do much there, but they're like, well, he sounds like he's got a little cough. And they said, we're going to send you to the hospital in the bigger town so they can do a chest X-ray. Thankful for that, because when they got there to that hospital, Man, just a little bit hours later, turns out, and I'm at this conference, I'm not there, Angie's there with Mason, there's a mass the size of my fist in his chest. And so by the time they get a hold of me, hours later, I come to the hospital and the doctor's there, they're, they have him back, they're running more tests and we don't know what's up. And I come walking in and the doctor sees me, calls me over and he starts talking quickly. He's like, yeah, so what we're gonna do is we're gonna send you to Mercy, they're gonna get you to St. Jude's. And I'm like, wait, what, what? Wah, 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 that's all I heard. And he's like, yeah. I'm like, so hold on a second. You know, I heard there's a mass. He's like, yeah, so there's, you know, but we're going to get you in the other hospital system because then you can be St. Jude's. I'm like, wait a minute. St. Jude's? Because all I know about St. Jude's is kids that are dying, they send them there. And then I didn't want to say the word because I heard there was a mass, but I didn't know what was going on. He didn't want to say it. We're just looking at each other. And he starts saying stuff like white blood cell counts elevated. I'm like, wait, hold on. That means, and I stop and just didn't want to say it because like sometimes when you say it that's when it becomes real he didn't want to say it finally I'm like so wait my son has cancer found my place I found myself in a place that I never want to be in 15 year old son cancer next thing we know they're shipping him and Angie they put him on a plane they fly him to St. Jude's in Memphis we it's about five and a half hours from us they tell us to be prepared to be there for three and a half months. And that time, I go home with Katie. She's the baby. She's in seventh grade at the time. And my other son, who's my youngest son, eighth grade. And I take them home. We don't know what's happening. They see mom getting on the plane, leaving for three and a half months. And I know they're scared because she's super mom. And I can't even pack a lunch. <laughs> we put them on the plane. And we leave. And we go home. And it was a Saturday night. And 
And I'm trying to be strong for Josh and Katie because, you know, that's what you do when you're a man. And I'm trying not to cry and, you know, um, put him to bed and, and I go to my chair. And the Lord said, Alex, come to that chair and spend time with me and I'll bless you. And I did. I went to my chair that night and um, I just prayed and I cried and I prayed and I cried and I fell asleep in the chair. And the next morning was Sunday and I woke up and I just didn't feel like doing anything. Wasn't planning to go to church. Wasn't planning on doing nothing. I just wanted to sit there and just pout a little bit. The Lord said, Alex, get up, take your kids to church. Spend time with me and I'll bless you. And man, every single day, I've been going back to that chair in the morning when I wake up. God's been blessing me. He's been giving me strength. And he told me I got a new assignment. And he told me this, there's some things that you can only understand. There's some lessons that you can only understand and learn through suffering. And he told me he wanted me to teach people how to suffer with grace. And I'm not talking with like that grace, like, you know, pity me, but grace in the form. In Ephesians 1, it talks about the praise of the glorious grace, that, that victorious grace, that overcoming grace. God will give you the grace to do the things that he's called you to do, to be the person he's called you to be, and fulfill his plan. That's that victorious grace. And I'm going to just give you a little bit of this. You know, since then, man, we're a St. Jude's family. Mason has 120 weeks of weekly chemo. It puts poison in his body. Sometimes they do what they call lumbar punctures. It's spinal taps. They put him under and they just fuse different chemos into his spine. But today, he's, he's over there on the keyboards before you cancer free. The Lord is with him. Amen. But here's the deal. The journey's not over. You know, because he is cancer free, but to make sure that it doesn't come back, he's got T-cell leukemia. He had it. He's going through these treatments with St. Jude's and He's on week about 40 of 120 weeks. And um, there's been times where we've been up, we've been down. Some of you guys follow us on Facebook, you know the journey. We've been trying to pub, be in public on it. But in the morning times when I go to my chair, there's this song that the Lord has just been giving me and I shared it with my whole family. It's really become one of our family songs. When we're together, we sing it, we blast it. And I'm gonna say this, man, the Lord, he's got good plans for, for me. He's got good plans for Mason. He's got good plans for our family, and he's got good plans for you. And so, man, we just want to share this with you. And, um, and so that's kind of where we're at. Amen. The Lord is my shepherd, and he has everything I need. So I will not worry. I will not fear the enemy. He said that he loves me. He said that he's with me even though I walk through the valley and shadow of death and still I know he has good plans he has good plans for me so I will take part in deserts and gods yes The Lord is my Savior, so why should I doubt my victory? Why would I question 
the rod and the staff that comforts me. He quiets the waters. He quiets the storm inside of me. So what could be better than walking with messages like you know it's tough he had pancreatitis and just was in pain every day throwing up for like 60 days straight and just didn't know what was going on and one time he asked Angie does dying hurt it broke my heart it broke my heart because no 15 and he turned 16 at the time year old needs a wonder if dying hurts and I went to my chair and I was like Lord why I've tried not to ask God why 
in the midst of this crazy journey, this crazy battle, because the Bible tells us that good things happen to the righteous and the unrighteous. And I'm not righteous because of anything that I've done. I'm righteous because of what Jesus did. We are the righteousness of Christ is because of him. And so the Lord, I put, I, this song came on, I was listening to it, and I was like, I dream of a day when our family, we're, on the, we're gonna be on the other side of this and we can be all together on a stage singing it. It's the first time that's happened. Thanks for allowing it, Pastor Chris and Pastor Rachel. Good job, Mason and Katie. We know what Michael can do. I wanna say a prayer for you. I wanna, I wanna say a prayer for all the men in this place, but before I do that, I, I just wanna like pray for that person that's here. Maybe you're watching online and you'd say, man, that's, that's crazy. A lot of people say, I don't know how you do what you do. I don't, if it's me and they say, I don't know. Well, I'm gonna say this, I do it because of Jesus. He's given me the strength. He's given me the grace, the power to do all that he's called me to do. And I'm saying this to you, man, we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. But maybe you're here and you're saying, I don't have that strength, I don't have that power, and it's because you're not where you need to be with Jesus. And the Bible tells us that all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And as a result of that, we all deserve to die and spend eternity away from him. But you know that God loved you so much, he loved the world so much that he sent his son Jesus to die so that you and I could receive eternal life. And he says it in um, Romans 5 eight that if you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and confess with your mouth that he raised from the dead, you'll be saved. Maybe you're here this morning, you don't have the power, you don't have the strength. Can I give, can I share my faith with you? You need Jesus. I wanna say a prayer for you. Man, I'm gonna ask everybody to close your eyes and bow your head and just a personal moment. It's just a personal moment. If you'd say, Pastor, I need you to include me in that prayer. I need Jesus. Maybe you've never asked him to forgive you for your sins and to come into your heart. Maybe you've done it a dozen times, but you're not where you need to be with the Lord, but you wanna be, and you want me to pray for you. Would you just raise your hand? I see that hand, I see that hand. Anybody else, man, you just need, you know that you're not where you need to be at the Lord, but you wanna be. I see those hands, you can put them down, I see them. Here's what I wanna do, man, there's a few hands up. I'm gonna say this prayer, we call it the salvation's prayer. And again, all you gotta do, the Bible says, if you wanna be saved, believe in your heart that Jesus was raised from the dead and confess with your mouth that he's Lord and you'll be saved. Now, if you raised your hand, I wanna tell you this. I'm gonna say a prayer, you're gonna be saved. That's free, that's easy, it costs you nothing. But we're called to make disciples. And I know this church, I went to school with your pastor, we learned together. And I know that this church is about discipleship. We're gonna say this prayer, you're gonna be saved, but I wanna encourage you to get plugged into this church. They will teach you um, how to, they'll give you a Bible if you don't have one. They'll get you baptized, we saw this over here, and they'll teach you what it's like to follow Christ. They will help make you a disciple, because that's what we're called to do, to make disciples. And so I can personally vouch for this church. If you don't have a home, get, in, get plugged in, get involved. So I'm gonna say this prayer, and, and this is what I like to do. I don't know how you guys do it normally, but if everybody will say this prayer, I'll say it, you can repeat it after me. And if you raise your hand, believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, you're gonna be saved, it's that simple. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna encourage you to, to get discipled. Come and see Pastor Chris and Miss Rachel if you say this prayer, okay? So would everybody just, let's say this prayer. Say, dear Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. I ask you to come into my heart and live there forever. Please forgive me of my sin. I wanna live for you because I love you. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen. Amen. Hey, if you said, yeah, give it up for those people right there. Amen. Hey, if you're one of those people, come up here and see Pastor Chris later. Hey, I want to do this last thing, and I'm going to turn it back over to you, Pastor Chris. I'm going to say a prayer for the men in here, okay? Men, receive this prayer. Just, just, if you, I'm going to give you a gift. Receive it. Lift it up to the Lord or just receive this prayer. Lord, I just lift up every man in this building today, Lord. I pray blessings over them. I pray your strength. God, I pray that you give them everything they need to be the men that you've called them to be. Bless them emotionally, physically, spiritually, intellectually, socially. Give them favor, Lord God. Give them wisdom. Lord God, let them know that you have good plans for them, plans to prosper them, not to hurt them. Lord, help them be strong men for their family, for their church, for their community, for our country, Lord God. Blessings over them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, we'd love to connect with you. We're going to have a booth over here. Come see us, get a shirt, get a book. They're 15 bucks. God bless you. Come on. Thank you so much for being with us, for bringing the word. Church, we are a big body. We know that. We're not Radiant Life Church. We're the Assemblies of God, and even bigger than that, we're just the body of Christ around the world. And it's so good to have brothers and sisters, as we mentioned before, those that are in for general counsel. Church, would you commit this week to praying for the Buddhist world, change the map? Would you commit to praying for 25,000 pastors, leaders, and students that are going to be in Columbus this week? We're believing that God's going to move in a special way, and that revival, He's going to send people out ready to go, ready to share Jesus everywhere they go. And so I would ask you, can you pray every day for the pastors and leaders and students that are going to be at the Columbus Convention Center and Nationwide Arena? It's going to be a powerful time and I'm looking forward to it. So thank you for being a part. Thank you for coming. Thank you for staying a little longer today. We love you all and are so thankful uh, that God is on the throne and he's still moving. This week, church, be careful what you watch. Be careful what you listen to. Be careful what you talk about. Savor the presence of Jesus. See you again next week.